Welcome to CS Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 66 of CS Radio, our season four premiere. I'm J. Michael DeAngelis. And I'm Amy Len Kirshner. And I can hardly believe that this is our fourth year of doing a podcast. <laughs> it's very difficult to believe. Everyone still feels like it's brand new. Yeah, we keep it fresh. That's, that's uh, And you know how, how we, we do? do that? Zero preparation. <laughs> Coming in today and saying, what are we going to talk about today? Do as we say, not as we do, kids. <laughs> I'm great at giving advice. Well, how was your summer? I know that everyone says this. It flew by. Yeah, it, it did. It went so fast. Why doesn't winter go so quickly? <laughs> well. <laughs> it's darker. It's colder. Yeah. The summer was great. What did you do? Well, it was a busy summer here in career services, as it often is with uh, large projects. You know, mm-hmm. Last summer, we launched Handshake. And this summer, we started dipping our toes into the world of online education. So as Penn begins to offer more and more online degrees and certificates, the question of how Penn will provide student services, such as career yeah, services content. and yeah. Wine Garden Learning Center and you know all that support stuff, as well as there's a whole idea that Penn is really going to be the first to offer an entire virtual campus with recreation, online recreational facilities and student clubs as well. So this is all down the road, but Career Services has been asked to be out at the forefront, as we often are, particularly with technology things. And so I'm certain later on uh, this year on the podcast, uh, once our modules are completed, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about the online workshops and modules that we um, started creating over the summer and continuing to work on. But I'm pretty excited. It'll be a way for not just online students, but our residential students as well to get the experience of like a resume writing workshop or a networking workshop or online. Or an interviewing or an workshop. Interview. I wonder who could be working on that one. <laughs> Which I was eager to volunteer for because I love talking with students about interviewing, but thinking about it in a procedural way to break it out for online modules has been interesting. So it's been a challenge for everybody. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Definitely. And but it was a good exercise to be thinking through things in a new way. Yeah, and doing it with the limited tools that we have. It would be one thing if, you know, we could say, all right, well, you could have a like a really interactive thing, you know, like click here for the right interview question. Thing. So we've got a little bit of that going, but it's... it's Some of it's being just creative and presenting it. Absolutely. In, yes. So anyway, I'm sure we'll have a whole episode devoted to that but otherwise you're right it felt like we were working on that hoping to get that done this summer and then boom classes were starting and then of course we had our career fairs very early this year we do a number of big fairs at the beginning of the year at the Sheraton and based on the Jewish holidays and the Sheraton's availability those are actually the same week as Labor Day the first three and then uh, just yesterday as of recording or sorry Wednesday as of recording but uh, we finished up career fire the finance insurance and real estate fair. So the four big Sheraton fairs are a thing of the past. That's right. But Coming mark up. your calendars because this Friday we have the policy and government fair over in Houston Hall. Houston Hall. Lots of great employers if you're thinking about public service, working in the government. And some of those deadlines are earlier than you may think. Even though you may not learn about your offer for a little while, some of those deadlines are in October. So this is a perfect time to explore those opportunities. Get right in there. Who doesn't want to work for the government? <laughs> And it's been a lot of um, a lot of big changes here in career services. Yes, we just course, said farewell to a... As we said farewell in our last episode of the podcast back in, in May, we said farewell to our longtime director, Fearless Pat Leader. Rose. Uh, and hello 
to uh, our wonderful new director, Barb Hewitt, who of course has been in the office a long time as well, working with the Wharton team. We will feature her soon as Very the new soon. executive director of Career so Services. We're looking forward to talking with her about her vision for the, the future. So it's a, a time of change and growth, and that is always exciting. But of course, some things never change, Milan. And I'm thinking how September is always the time when all the counselors get crushed by piles of resumes. Resumes and cover letter review requests. So when I walked in today, Michael said, what are, what are we talking about? What's on your mind? And I said, resumes and cover letters are on my mind and on my desk and in my inbox and scattered around my home. <laughs> and in my hair and up my clothes. <laughs> yeah, it's been busy, especially with those fairs early on. But I thought it might be helpful Obviously, I think about resumes and cover letters all the time. I don't know that everyone in our audience is so well-versed in the things that I'm thinking about all the time. And <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us <laughs> well, your I, thoughts. So rather than just talking about do's and don'ts of cover letters, which of course we have samples on our website and we could maybe hit on some highlights today, but the past week I've met with two students in person who have had interesting formats of their resume. And I think that they're thinking it's a creative approach or a different way to pose their information to employers. But I think that certainly as undergrads, they may not have that other experience of what employers may interpret from the way their material is presented. So for example, I met with a student two days ago whose resume was not in the typical chronological order that I expect, kind of education at the top, pen highlighted first because, you know, it's what you're doing presently and it's an Ivy League institution, pretty impressive. Education for this student was kind of buried lower on the page and that student had highlighted kind of functional experience, so coding experience, program experience, in an order that, like I said, was was not chronological. So so I can see why the, the student thought that this was a good use. It's highlighting the actual skills that they have and that they use in a seemingly a clear way to the employer. But there's an underlying message that that sends to an employer often that functional resume format may indicate that you're hiding a gap in your experience, which as a standard like regular undergrad likely you don't have because you're in school. So that kind of counts as your present experience. So there's this coded message that comes across with that formatting that the employer automatically assumes something negative, which isn't the case at all. So I suggested to this student that even though it's a more conventional approach, that education move to the top and that within each section it's actually based by experience, organization name, title, date ranges, city state, kind of the basics. Just because that says to the employer like at a clear glance, this is this person's chronological experience. And that works whether an employer is looking at it with their own eyes, but applicant tracking systems. The robots. Yeah, they also scan for that. That's like a red flag for the, for the robots as well, and uh, indicating that there may be a gap that's hiding problematic gap potentially. So I certainly appreciate the effort to be creative, but it's always in terms of function over form in this case and think about what the employers may be inferring from the from the layout. The other thing that I, I hear often at Penn, I've noticed in these stacks and stacks that I'm going through, often GPA is missing. And I know that Penn is a very competitive place. We've potentially talked about that here a few times Once before. Once twice, yeah. <laughs> and I think that sometimes students think, oh, that my GPA is low. Mm. My GPA is not as high as I'd like it to be. I'm going to bring it up this semester. Um, I know my friends have higher GPAs and they're broadcasting those. If a GPA is missing, though, the coded language to the employer there is often that it's below 3.0. And if you're breathing all over 3.5, but you're just below it, it's still better to put it than yeah. not put it because the employer is going to assume that it's much worse. Right. And it, it, so, you know, it's like, well, what are they hiding? And you're like, well, I'm yeah. not hiding anything. <laughs> exactly. Well, but you're, you're not it's showing three, three, it five, either. Right. <laughs> and right. I know that this, this is sometimes a little muddied by the fact that Handshake also allows you 
to hide your GPA from your public right, profile. Right, right, great point. And that's understandable, but when you're applying for a job or an internship is, for better or worse, uh, information that they do require. So just be upfront. And again, we've talked about it before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but there are ways to address the story behind your GPA. Absolutely. How you're working to bring it up or or whatever, or just maintain it. And it's (laughs) always important to remember that employers almost always hire below the GPA threshold that they state. So if you're far off, especially for some of the big name companies who get you know thousands of applications, they are more likely to use that cutoff just as a way to kind of keep their volume reasonable. But for most other employers, they may state a, a range that they prefer. They always hire people slightly below that range. There's lots of factors, like Michael was saying, often employers prefer that you're more involved. I've taken on leadership roles, I've gotten involved on campus or doing exciting academic projects, taking courses that may be challenging to you, uh, that academic or intellectual curiosity, rather than just having that 3.9 GPA, but it's a matter of portraying it, but still not hiding the fact that you're, again, if your GPA is over 3.0, put it. So. Right. Something caught my eye at one of the career fairs, and uh, if this gentleman is listening, I'm sorry, my friend. We all <laughs> li- live and learn. And he was very eager. And so I will say this. I mean, he was erring on the side of caution here. Okay. Um, he came in, he was checking into the fair, and he had what I would consider to be a very large stack of <laughs> resumes. Oh, no, I, I mean, didn't see this. really quite large. And he put them down. I, I said, oh, you you are ready. He's like, yeah, I should have brought a folder or something. But I was like, hey, but you got them. Uh, then I noticed why the stack was so oh, no. large. Was it stapled? Were they stapled? They were. It was not that it was a two-page resume. No, no. That, well, it might have been. He had a generic cover letter stapled oh. to the front of every resume. And this was at uh, Career Link. Regardless, you know, one of the fairs that had a very Gener- diverse, general, right, right, very diverse group of employers. It wasn't like, you know, I could almost see at the engineering yeah, fair. They're all engineer, right. Or um, so this mechanical. was a whole lot of different employers. And I thought, I don't know that one blanket cover letter, which they haven't even asked for, is really going to cut it. But again, erring on the side of enthusiasm, uh, enthusiasm I, I give them that, and certainly better than not having and and had plenty of them, which we always say. Come prepared. Come prepared. So he was perhaps overprepared, but I don't know that that was necessary. This actually does make me think of two additional things. The first I'm going to say regarding a generic cover letter. It's very difficult. I think even, I give him props for even having a generic cover letter because Mm. they're much more difficult to write. Yeah. The cover letter should answer the question, how am I qualified for this job and why am I interested in it? So it's always easiest to kind of work backward from the job description because then you have the questions that you're, you're answering. But that does lead me to a question that I was asked electronically <laughs> via email from a student this, this week as well, which is Handshake does ask you for your regular profile to import a, a cover letter, which we would suggest you skip for that exact reason. You can definitely have a generic resume living on your regular Handshake profile that employers can see, but I would actually caution to not have a generic cover letter there because when you're submitting then your, your tailored cover letters employer by employer, if any of that is borrowed and the employer sees the overlap, it may actually hurt you, I would say. I don't know that it would be like death knell for your application per se, but there's no need for it. So I think that you can just omit that part of the profile that Handshake asks you to complete. No need to submit just like that generic cover letter. 
it doesn't really prompt you, but if you're going through and you're being thorough about the things that it asks you, it, you'll see that it's there, which this particular student did notice, so kudos to her. The second thing is that exact thing. So we were, I obviously cringed when I heard that the packet was stapled for this entrepreneurial student mm -hmm. at, the, at the career fair. But that's, it's very standard. When you apply to college, you are using a multi-page resume. So that transition from your application to Penn and other mm, schools. I never really thought of it that way, but yeah. that's absolutely right. So for first-year students, which we've said anecdotally, I'm seeing so many more first-year students just in these first few weeks of school than I ever have before. And every year that's the case. I see students younger and younger uh, and more of them because everyone is so engaged and eager to get those really relevant and exciting internships and start connecting with Penn alumni and things like that. But these resumes look very different for high school versus uh, for professional. So I do encourage any incoming Penn students, you know, just new to campus and thinking about the next step already to take a look at our online samples because they give you some good ways to format that experience. Totally fair if you've just gotten to Penn to still include your high school GPA, to still include some high school activities. You should be trying to parse it down to one page though at this point because that is what employers are going to see. And of course, as you start to add Penn things, you're really going to need to be selective about the pen, the high school things that, that live on through sophomore year. And then of course, by second semester sophomore year, you really should have pretty much exclusively college things and volunteer experiences, things that are present rather than from high school living on that one page resume. Yeah, that's a great point that I, I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. Yeah, I met with a student this week who had a, a really great resume coming from high school. And she, speaking of the, the government fair th this week, was looking at federal jobs uh, and internships. She'd had a great one last summer and was looking for another. Um, and of course, the federal resume is a little bit different. So that is asking you for pretty much everything you've ever done with yeah. addresses and dates and exact tasks. Uh, Names but there's a, and addresses. Exactly, exactly. But that, I always recommend using USA Jobs. They have a nice federal template for that. Um, and then in which case that, that one pager is really not feasible, but you're kind of striking that balance there otherwise. Well, that's great. So all great things to be thinking about during this very busy recruiting season and busy for everyone. You know, again, we talked about it all last year, but how uh, suddenly you're a sophomore and, and they're planning your future, looking for things for summer 2020. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable, but it really it's is. happening. And so, you know, let us help you. Yeah, again, you don't need to come in to meet with us. We can do a resume review electronically. You can submit one to any team. Um, just follow the guidelines on the website for how that should be done uh, school by school. Um, but if something is time sensitive and you need to get an application in, we do have, it's about a five business day turnaround at this point, just because of the volume. So if something is pressing, do try to come in for walk-ins so you can have one of us kind of look over it with you in real time and you can make some of those updates. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And something, let's, let's come over now to Michael's tech corner. <laughs> <laughs> Something that can help, it won't help you with your resume, but can certainly help you as you start to plan out these very early job searches. We have entered into a new partnership with a company called CareerShift. If anyone was using JobTrex, this is a similar but more robust platform, I think, to help you organize uh, your job search, but also find contacts. So CareerShift is a what they call an integrated suite of tools. It does have job listings that you can search from job boards all across the country, as well as company-specific job boards that they have access to. But probably best of all for the students here, it has really up-to-date contact information, including email addresses. Amazing for contacts at these companies. So if you are interested in a company and they're not in Handshake or their contact information is not in Handshake, CareerShift might be the way to go. 
you can also keep track of your search. Like I said, there's a little organizer feature so you can log what jobs you've applied to, who you've talked to, what the status of that job search is. You can save your job search history and you can also create your own personal marketing campaign. And this is something that they just launched, so I haven't had a chance to look at it very much, but it seems really interesting. It's sort of like we were talking about before about having those generic cover letters. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I'm looking at a couple of different things, you can be like, all right, here's my quote unquote, my campaign for my, uh, I don't know, for my writing jobs. I'm technical writing, Mm. but uh, I'm also a coder. So here's my computer coding job Mm. set, you know, so that you can kind of keep them separated. And when a job comes up, you go, okay, send the writing stuff, send the coding stuff. Just another good way to keep all those, you know, if you happen to be in a lot of boxes or you're dipping your toes in a couple of different ponds, a way to keep things organized and hopefully not accidentally send off the coding resume to the, you know, financial consulting uh, (laughs) job, which happens from time to time. It is free to all Penn students, postdocs, and alumni. There is a link from our digital resources section of our website. The online subscriptions, just look for Career Shift, and you can open up your account using that private link, and then you can use any email that you like. Pen email preferred, but if you're an alum uh, or a postdoc and you have a different uh, email address, you can use that. As long as you are following that link off of the uh, Pen Key section of our website, you will be approved. So it's uh, great. We're really excited. Um, it just uh, launched last week. I was just going to say, I am eager to explore it. I've talked about job treks here on this podcast. I've definitely spoken about it with students, so I'm eager to see this platform that's kind of replaced it for us. Uh, it definitely from the demos we've seen, seems more robust and a great way to identify employers. And I think Barb gave the example of... Um, uh, pharmaceutical companies in New Jersey, whereas JobTrex kind of limited you by metro area. Yeah. Uh, but this you could search by state, and there were thousands of results. So identifying those organizations that are doing that work, and then even being able to drill down into direct contacts, like you said. So I haven't played with it as much as I would like it, and I am eager to do so. And uh, also, if you are a current Penn student, freshman through senior, you may have received an email uh, in the last 24 hours informing you about your portfolio account. So if you are a Penn student who is not already taken advantage of Portfolium or you're a new uh, new grad student or freshman, uh, we uh, sent you out an email to remind you that you have access to Portfolium, which is a great e-portfolio tool that you can showcase all of the work that you've done here at Penn or at your internships. You can tag your fellow collaborators. You can also label all of your projects with the various skills that you used or gained while making that project, which is a big thing right now in, in recruiting, being able to talk about your skills. I love of portfolio. It's one of my favorite tools. I always present about it. I've done a whole podcast about it. So uh, we're really happy to uh, push that again this year. So if you got that email and you haven't opened up your account, go ahead. Just take a second. It's free. And uh, even if you don't have things to put in it right now, uh, you know, as you're doing classwork, you may say, you know what, this is something I might like to show an employer someday. Stick it in that portfolio, label it with the skills, and then it's a link that you can put on your resume or share electronically. Plus, employers uh, can search it. Portfolio does have an employer access, so there may be employers just browsing those public portfolios and may want to contact you. Looking That's for never a bad thing. Never. So here we go. Everything is out of the gate. We're well on our way to uh, fall break. No. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
I was going to say Christmas. Um. <laughs> uh, blink and it'll be over, but it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great semester, and we'll be here every week with another episode of CS Radio. So we'll see you next time. Glad to be back for the semester. This podcast is produced by the University of Pennsylvania Career Services Office, a division of the Vice Provost for University Life. It's produced, mixed, and edited by Karen Yang. Your hosts are J. Michael DeAngelis and Amy Lynn Kirshner. We'll see you right here next time on CS Radio.